Uh, Jack, Jack, quick moment of your time, please. How does it feel to finally discover the Villa Talks podcast? Um, best down the line. Great, there you have it. Back to you at the studio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast, another episode of the Lockdown Lowdown, another defeat for Aston Villa, another frustrating night, probably our worst performance of the season so far. Chadzi, I'm not really sure what to make of it, mate. Um, I'm not sure if it's just one of those nights or if it's a pattern or if the soft underbelly that we saw last season is coming back. I'm not really sure what to think. What's your thoughts on... uh, Last night's loss against West Ham. Yeah, I suppose time will tell, mate, whether it's one or all of those things. But, um, you know, we were thrashed last night. Let's not let's not um, beat around the bush. Beaten by what I think is a very good West Ham team and beaten quite convincingly. But to get to the 3rd of February, and it, for me personally to be the first time I've been really disappointed in the performance is pretty phenomenal, really, if, if you think where we've come from in the last couple of years. So it, I'm very, very happy to let it slide, if I'm honest, in terms of I'm not going to start slamming into the players. OK, look, we're going to analyse the game and look where we could have done better. But um, credit to everyone involved that this is the first time I've come away from a game and really thought we haven't shown up there tonight. We, we look mentally fatigued just as much as we did physically. Um and this is very disappointing because it was a missed opportunity for us. You know, if we'd have won that game, we would have gone above West Ham, um, as we know, and we could have had a real chance to kick on. And whether, like you say, that is is a sign of things to come and maybe a soft underbelly and a bit of a pattern emerging, like I said, time will tell. But generally, when we've had a bad result this season, we've bounced back. So I'm looking forward to seeing the Saturday and seeing how we bounce back. But it was just a sloppy, sloppy performance, wasn't it? We were... Um, really, really poor on the ball in the first 20 minutes. The back four, especially the full-backs, the centre-backs, when they had, had possession, they were giving it away too easily. Um, Barkley was very wasteful. McGinn and Louise couldn't really get into the game and it sort of set the tone. West Ham were all over us like a rash. They pressed brilliantly. They're, you know, they've always been, in, in the last year or two, a physical uh, and efficient side. But, you know, they've added some quality to it now and pace, haven't they, with Lingard, Ben Rama, Antonio, Bowen. And, and for me, they've got they've got a really good setup there now. And um, it's no disgrace losing to them, but the players will definitely be disappointed with, with last night's performance. Um, you know, Smith's a bit of a tactical masterclass from Moyes as well. He's doubled up on Grealish and, and Grealish has been completely nullified until he switched sides, which was far too late. And... Um, yeah, there's lots to talk about and there's lots to analyse. But overall, um, yeah, clearly a very, very disappointing night. But um, there's always some perspective in terms of our, our longer term development and um, how proud we can be of the team so far, generally. Um, let's talk about some of the action points first, just quickly. Um, you mentioned there about uh, Moyes' tactics. Obviously, Lingard starting was a surprise. Two right backs on the pitch. We weren't sure if they're going to go 3 5 2 or 4 4 2. They went 4-4-2 um, and they did press and they made it very difficult for us. First half, um, you know, West Ham had the better of the ball um, in terms of attacking intent. We still had plenty of opportunities on the break. Um, We did find it hard, but Watkins hit the post. Watkins had a good chance with the header. Barkley, left foot, drags a shot wide. Um, And, you know, we've gotten some good areas and the final pass was lacking a little bit. Al Ghazi started on the right for us, which was a bit of a surprise. Um, what did you make of the first half overall? Obviously, no goals in the first half, but in terms of Villa's performance, do you think that sort of first five, ten minutes set the tone and were you worried after that first half performance or did you think, actually, we can't get any worse? Well, yeah. I mean, we I thought we were very lucky to get in at half-time all square and I, I, I was hoping, and we talked about it in the chat, that I was hoping he was going to bring Traore on because we were struggling to keep hold of the ball and he, he's calm and composed on the ball and would hopefully help us build attacks and, and uh, like I said, bring a bit more composure to what we were doing on it. Um, but yeah, West Ham were all over us. They were they were quicker than us. They were sharper than us. They were winning those second balls. They were offering a threat on the counter. And yes, we did have a couple of half chances, like you said, but 
we were just sloppy uh, and it just wasn't our night at all. Basically, from one to eleven, I mean, Watkins and Grealish, okay, put in a put a decent performance, and, and Watkins can be, I think, come away probably with one of the only players with a bit of credit. But we were basically beaten one to eleven, um, and I was hoping the second half was gonna was going to be a turnaround, but I think just the early goal killed us, basically. I think we were just starting to show a bit more intent and, and work our way into the game, but as soon as that first goal came, we slipped too easily back into back into our naive, gung-ho approach where we think we have to get straight back in the game. You know, we got caught on the break on the 56 minute, three on two. We've got 40 minutes to get the equaliser, um, and yeah, that, that is a bit of a pattern. Yeah, I know. I... That was very concerning. And, and Jugsy, I've, I've got a couple of questions for you, mate. Um, firstly, on Watkins, Chadsy mentioned Watkins' performance. Um, I didn't think it was his best game, but I thought he was probably our, one of our best players, if that makes sense. He was the best of a bad bunch. I mean, were you looking at a performance yesterday? It reminded very much of last season with Wesley. Uh, did you think Watkins was quite isolated? And then the second question is, are you concerned with our inability to fight back from a losing position? Yeah, I think I, I yeah both sort of points and questions. I'd say firstly on Watkins, we're asking a lot of him because he's that sort of focal point for us, and he starts to press for us and does a lot of work running the channels, and he's also our outlet. So when we do get the ball to Mings, he, he tries for that ball down the channel for Watkins. So he's doing a lot of running for us, and the odd time he is going to give the ball away, and yesterday was an example of that where the two goals came from him having sort of a poor touch or being under pressure. And that happens when you're getting the ball all the time. So we just need to vary how we sort of bring the ball out the back. Because I feel like it's just so predictable for teams now. And Mings is that sort of person that that will kick it long. And we've got to find a way to play it through the midfield if we're going to be a top side. And um, I thought against Burnley, we did that really well. But obviously Burnley weren't really pressing highs as West Ham were. And I thought West Ham, it just played into their hands because they knew that they've got the physicality in the midfield and defence to sort of win the second ball and win the 50-50s. And they've got a bit more height to midfield, which is, again, I think, um, sort of a concern for us um, when we come, ac- come across physical sides. So, yeah, I feel like Watkins, I don't think we can lay too much blame on his door because he had an excellent performance and he did show some great first touches under pressure and linked up the play and did everything you want from a striker. But are we just asking too much from him? Because I feel like he was isolated and I know in previous games, Barkley's played quite high up with him. And I think yesterday he was a bit more conservative with his position and played almost as him and McGinn as 2-8. So McGinn was trying to support the attack a bit more. So it's one of those where I don't think our tactics worked yesterday. Um, and again, Moyes' games, game plan was spot on. So um, it was just a bad day at the office. Nothing really came off from us, came off for us. And I think it's something that we need to look at is just looking at different ways to to, to play really and try and play through the midfield. I mean, McGinn, Barkley, Dougie are all capable on the ball. And I think Sanson will, will bring that as well because he's, he, do you know what I mean? He's quite a physical player, he's very technical as well. And it will just help us sort of develop attacks. And I think... Just sometimes we become a bit predictable, really. And I thought West Ham's performance was sort of Villaresque away from home, and which they just looked a threat every time they got into our final third. And it just felt they looked physically fitter and sharper than us. And that just proves that obviously we've had it tough with playing five games in, in 15 days, and we've had mainly the same team. And it just shows that maybe Smith doesn't really have much confidence on the bench. And games like Burnley, maybe we should have rotated. So I know it's all in hindsight now, but. Again, it just shows that we just need a bit more depth, really, or, or Smith needs to trust the squad a bit more like other teams. They do rotate two or three players. Like West Ham will always change that three behind Antonio quite often, and we never do. So maybe that's something that we need to look at. That's a good point, Jugs. You know, I, th- I think we were wondering whether Davis was going to come on. Um, wh- sorry, whether Davis was going to come on uh, in the second half. We are crying out for a bit of change up front. He didn't even look like, remotely look like he was going to come on. We Sanson came on, Trezeguet came on, Traore came on. Uh, and Davis didn't get a sniff, which is surprising. Algarzi was obviously the main main change that Smith made, but the only change that he made. Again, a bit of a surprise playing on the right-hand side. It's well known that Algarzi plays better from the left-hand side, so that was that was a surprise as well. And and the sort of the the, the sort of the two eights you're talking about, um, we've done that a few times at home this season, and it hasn't worked. I'm thinking against Brighton, against Southampton, against Leeds. 
I'm pretty sure we played two eights in, in all of those games and, and we got overrunning midfield. So that is slightly concerning. Um, but going back to Chaz's earlier point, you know, this is the first time the whole season where in terms of performance levels, you know, yes, we've lost games in the season bef- in, in this season already, but performance levels, that's probably the worst performance and probably the worst performance since Leeds. Um, so from that perspective, you've got to, you've got to take it all into context, but you know, it was, it was a really tepid affair first half from us in terms of physicality, imposing ourselves on the game. I went in half time thinking there's no way we could be any worse. And, and that's what I said, said to you, Jigsy at half time. And well, we were much, much worse. And let's quickly talk about the, the second half, just go through the, some of the action points and, and then jump straight into the comments, because I think a lot of what we want to talk about. A lot of topics we want to cover are covered in the comments, uh, so it's probably the best way to do it. But second half, as Chazzy mentioned, second half, Troy comes on. Um, we looked straight away, looked better in terms of our build-up of attack with him. I think we look so much better on the ball. We keep the ball better uh, with, with Troy on, on the right-hand side. Um, and we started okay. I didn't think we were terrible. We weren't amazing, don't get me wrong, but we weren't terrible. We looked like we were sort of playing ourselves into the game. And as Chazzy's mentioned, that sort of sucker punch, getting caught, as we did, um, you know, uh, was it what three on one, three on two? Um, you know, the ball gets knocked down. Antonio plays it. Ben Rama, Ben Rama plays it through. Sort of third man run by Suchek, not picked up by Barkley. Barkley just sort of lets him wander in. Uh, yeah, Mings. You know, maybe he could have blocked off the pass, but you know, it's one of those. Ben Rama plays it first time through the line. I think more importantly, our midfield did not track the runner, Suchek at all. He's, he's the danger man, you know, he's box to box. Um, he scores goals and he's always getting those good positions that we didn't track him. Barkley just re- let him run past. He drills in, great finish. Um, and that's 1-0. I think the first goal is the one that we're probably, it is quite harsh to lay much criticism at our door, you know. It's a really well-worked goal. It's a touch but of you, quality. But do, you, but do you not think Barkley should track at least try and track his man? He just yeah, he just sort it, of turns his back on him. Yeah, okay, Barkley can maybe show a bit more effort. But I think once Suchek's passed him, and the fact that Ben Rahm has played that ball first time, they're on the same wavelength, it's it's worked so quickly that sometimes you have to praise the attack. But that comes from the fact that we let them have so much ball. You know, their midfield were dominating, they were on top of us. So eventually one of their attacks was gonna have that extra bit of quality, especially when someone like Ben Rama is proving such a threat. And, you know, Jugsy's talked about Ben Rama for a long time and we talked about Ben Rama in the away game. He came off the bench and, and set up the goal, didn't he, straight away. And last night he's created the, what is basically the winning goal because that first goal changes the whole game. So that one moment of magic is why Ben Rama was worth 30 million or 20 million, whatever they've paid from in the end. And, and Sujek is in such fine form that as soon as he's played in, I knew he was going to score. So, um, yeah, a, a bit of quality and, and sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and say that's a that's a bloody good goal yeah I mean it's, it's something we've talked about in the past in terms of how well we press now as a team and something we didn't do yesterday at all I do think that was a de- deliberate tactic by Smith because he knows West Ham look to counter and counter well so maybe that's why we were a bit more conservative in our pressing I don't know if it worked to be honest because I still think there was times yesterday where McGinn would suddenly burst out from midfield and try and press. And then half the players were pressing, half the players weren't. So we ended up getting bypassed so easily in midfield. There were a lot of times where Lingard find themselves in pockets of space. Um, and again, similar to the Southampton game, probably where you know Lingard and Ben Rama were finding that finding that space inside inside the left channel. Uh, and I think um, I think a lot of teams find it easy to play through the lines against us. And what, why? Why? What, I mean, why do you think that is? I just feel like. Diff- I think I think we I think we spoke about it yesterday, but I think Dougie Louise and McGinn, their instinct isn't defensive, if that makes sense. They're not natural sort of defensive thinking midfielders. So they're sort of ball players and obviously McGinn's an engine and box to box. So you're asking a lot of them to be switched on all the time and maybe someone like Nakamba reads danger really well or anticipates these types of things and maybe we just hold too much of a higher line in, in, in that sort of double pivot midfield with McGinn and, and Dougie Louise. So Dougie Louise has improved defensively, I think, from the start of the season. There was a lot of sort of that first half when there was a cutback. I think Chad's mentioned a couple of pods ago that um, we just need to be careful with that cutback because we never seem to get our midfielders back in our position. So I think Dougie Louise sniffed that out when he's improved a lot. But yeah, he's, he's a ball-playing midfielder, really. So I think it's just about defensive instinct. So I think sometimes 
I understand why we're playing Dougie because he brings so much t- to the team from an t- attacking perspective. But sometimes it's, it's on Smith really to think, look, do we need a more physical or defensive approach in midfield? Maybe give Nakamba a go because he played really well against Burnley, eh? Burnley, I thought, and his passing w- was was fine. So I know it's harsh after just saying Dougie Louise had, had one bad performance, but it's just something maybe we need to look at thinking, do we need to be a bit more cautious sometimes? I think it's an area we'll address in the summer as well. Maybe look for a better replacement for Nakamba, someone with a bit more quality, but a bit more defensive-minded and a bit more physical. Yeah, I mean, look at the other side, Declan Rice, you know, very good defensive instincts. Does a lot of good work defensively. Sujek can do both sides of the role, so it's an interesting one. Um, let's let's quickly just talk about the, the, the other three goals and then let's go straight into the comments. Um, I said I was going to go straight into comments and we're sort of 15 minutes in and we haven't touched them yet, so... Um, Second goal, Lingard finds himself acres of space on the left-hand side. Martinez should do better. But it starts much earlier than that, doesn't it, Chadzi? Yeah, I think it comes from our set piece. And obviously, Mings and Concer are up, but it finds its way back to target. Target works himself um, out, of a, out of a hole really well, plays it into Watkins, who loses the ball. But, you know, Mings and Concer don't see, sense the danger that West Ham are looking to counter. And as soon as West Ham nick that ball off us, they're off. And I think as soon as the original set-piece opportunity had, had fallen away, Mings and Conte should have got straight back. But they've stayed in the box. Um, and it's a bit like the naivety I, I talked about at the start. It's only the 56th minute. We haven't got to equalise there and then. If it's the 94th minute, it's our last chance to get the equaliser. Great. Let's just get the ball back in the box. Everyone stay up. But if you watch it back closely, they sort of think about getting back and then think, oh, no, we might still be able to get the ball in the box here. And they haven't sensed the danger at all because there's four or five West Ham players around the ball and it leaves them three on two against um, Cash and... Uh, I can't remember. I think it was Cash and Louise. Diggy, 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 yeah, Diggy Louise, Cash and yeah. Louise. And then they've, they've, they've just been clinical, taking the chance. And, you know, Martinez will will feel they can do better, that's for sure. But I just feel like, um, from my perspective, I think if you look back on the goal, um, Diggy Louise is actually in a half-decent position. So when the ball does go over the top... He could go out and engage with Lingard just before he gets his shot off. But what Dougie Louise does is get sidetracked by a run from Suchek. So he actually takes three steps back and lets Barkley try and sort of close Lingard down. So that gives Lingard an extra five seconds to get the shot away. So I think that's where the fault lies for me as well, because Louise should be out there engaging him, impressing him, um, stopping the angle of the shot. So if you look back, if you look back on that, I think that's a, that's an error as well. So. Yeah, there's a couple of couple of errors there, I think. Yeah, but I mean, but also, but also on that, I mean, um, I mean, Barkley gets back almost, but that doesn't put a doesn't put a block in. Uh, if you look, if you watch it back, yeah, he gets back in a good position. Um, he's not sliding, is he? If he's he, not if sliding. He he's not putting. His, he's not throwing his body on that on the line. And I, I know I get what Dougie's Dougie's done there. He thinks that Lingard's going to try and cross it across, uh, pass it across the box because it's still a really bad angle to shoot from on his wrong foot. And end of the day, Martinez. You know, he, he should be saving that. You know, Martinez nine times out of 10 saves that. It was a bad day for him. And I think on both those last two goals, you know, he he normally saves them nine and a half times out of 10. If he saves those chances, then it's a bit like the Southampton game. You know, we, we, we'll probably get back in the game um, and, and probably draw that game. So I think that's an important point as well is that, you know, the, for the first time this season, and you're not going to dig him out because obviously he's been fantastic all season, probably our signing of the season. But, you know, it's the first bad game he's had and it's cost us two goals. Uh, obviously, there's a lot that's happened before. Then the defending's really bad, um, and Louis should should block it. Uh, but I still think there's a lot to do for Lingard, uh, and there's Barkley who gets back as well, who can do more as well. So it's a it's a combination of different things, isn't it? Um, it's uh, Watkins losing the ball. It's uh, players not getting back. Louis not putting a tackle in, taking the wrong option. Barkley getting back and not sliding in, and then Martinez ends it with a terrible save. And then we, we then we get back in the game. And finally, Jack Grealish switches to the right uh, and plays an amazing ball through to Watkins. Watkins makes a great run. First time finish, near post. 2-1, you're thinking game on. Uh, and then we have a ch- chance soon after, which uh, is sort of a half a chance really, but uh, doesn't go anywhere. And then they straight away score the third goal and kills the game off. I mean, we, Chazzy, were you surprised that Grealish didn't go on to the right earlier on? When 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 we saw the formation, they had two right backs. You got El Ghazi, who primarily plays from the left and plays better from the left. Grealish can play anywhere. Let's be honest. Are you yeah. surprised he didn't switch? I was, and I don't, I don't know how much that would have been Smith and how much it would have been Grealish because I'm I'm pretty sure Smith would give 
Grealish being the best player and the captain, licensed to switch at any point if he wants to with Al Ghazi. But, you know, Grealish is um, an elite footballer and I think he was quite enjoying the challenge of proving people um, that he could counteract two right-backs and Kufal was all over him and Fredericks was fouling him as usual. And I think Jack was obviously getting frustrated, but also he, he wanted to prove he could do it. You could see he was he was getting rattled and wanted to take Kufal on when he got the ball. But yeah, definitely he should have gone over earlier and I was surprised he didn't. And pretty much as soon as he did, we're, we're back in the game. So it's a wasted opportunity. And then, like you said, two minutes later, he's still out on the right and creates that half chance for if Watkins had got in, nicked in it in front of him, it's 2-2. And before you know it, we've got a chance of winning the game. But it, it, I had, honestly, I had a weird feeling that when we went 2-1 up, we were going to concede <laughs> straight away. Because it's, you know, we've still got 10 minutes to find the equaliser. And again, completely gung-ho, completely naive uh, and give them that opportunity to, to close the game out. But... Yeah, it is, it is very easy to criticise them, but they're, they're absolutely they were they were fucked. Let's be honest, they were flagging. Yeah, they were, and I mean Smith, the post match um, said um, he didn't he didn't blame untidiness. Says they were a bit lethargic. Well, that to me sounds like the same thing. And I, to me, it looked like either they were played they were told to play within themselves in terms of the pressing, um, or they were they were tired. It was one or the other to me. So I'm not really sure. Either the tactics were wrong or the players just weren't at it. And and that comes from fatigue, I think, mental and physical fatigue. You know, they weren't winning second balls or were sloppy in their passing. Barkley, we will come on to in the comments, you know, he misplaced so many passes uh, uh, yesterday as well. Um, Jugsy, let's quickly talk about um, the, the third goal then. Um, Watkins, uh, again, we're asking a lot of Watkins. The ball gets played to him. He's got no one around him. He should do better, definitely. You know, he takes a really poor touch tries to sort of drag it back, completely misses the ball and gets caught out. Um, but there's still a hell of a lot for West Ham to do there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I mean, yeah, I think Watkins was under some pressure, to be honest. And yeah, as soon as he gave it away and then West, West Ham were on us. So sort of bypassed our midfield um, and they ended up in a really attacking position with Antonio on the ball, sort of running at Konza. And it's one of those where I think Mings got drawn to the ball. So he left a space to his left-hand side for, for, to slide in Lingard. And yeah, I thought that was poor by Mings for, from a defensive perspective because I think he should let Conte engage with Antonio one-on-one because it's going to be difficult for Antonio sort of to, I don't know, dribble past Conte. And you've got to back Conte in that situation as well, especially when we're sort of chasing the game. Um, you've got to sort of keep it tight and keep your position. And then Lingard gets slipped through. And yeah, it was an sort of average shot. And again, Martinez had a nightmare with it. It went straight down the middle. And there's a slight touch off Mings. I think Mings came sliding across again. And um, there's a slight touch off Mings. I'm not sure if that affected it. But it's a save that Martinez should have made and just summed up his night and Villa's night, really. And yeah, I think we were just bad um, across the pitch. I mean, yeah, there wasn't many sort of standout players and even Watkins with his couple of errors and goal he, he was probably the, the pick, pick of the bunch really so again I think we needed that I think I think it's a bit of a reality check because you know I mean West Ham are, are, are a good side and they're doing really well this season and we we are we have done well and we've had some good results but we've also um, sort of let, been let down with our sort of results compared to our performances and there's that's just being naive and all good sides or all top six sides kill games off and are better with our better with their finishing and that's something that we're not good at is finishing games off or you know what I mean our midfielders have chances in around the box and we don't finish the, the chances off and keepers that we play against never really have any nightmares so it's one of those where a bit of a reality check for us and we just need to sort of kick on and put it behind us now and and look ahead at Arsenal and and see what we can we can do there really I think just like one of the maybe criticisms that is quite easy to throw at Villa and, you know, you can think it a lot is, you know, we don't draw a lot of games. We've, you know, we've played 20, we've won 10, we've won 50% of our games, which is outstanding, by the way. Lost eight and drawn two. But, you know, how many of those games where we've lost, like last night, could we have just thought, right, let's just bide our time, come away with this with a 1-1 or try and draw? But, Right from the first moment Dean Smith set foot inside Villa Park, he's wanted to win football games, he's wanted to entertain. So if it means we win one, lose one, win one, lose two, win one, lose two, win one, lose one, it's, it's a much more entertaining life being a Villa fan than 
drawing three on the trot or drawing four on the trot. And that's 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 Smith's policy. He he'll want to get three points every two or three games rather than maybe nick a point here and there. And that's when you play like Villa play, you've got to accept defeat sometimes. And we're going to get some thrashings along the way. And we have had some thrashings. Leeds last night, well and truly beaten. But it doesn't outweigh when it does come off and all the outstanding wins we've had. So you've just got to roll with it, to be honest. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. And, um, you know, it's not like it's a pattern, is it, really? Um, yes, we've, you know, we've won, what, two games out of the last seven, um, lost four out of six. But um, in terms of performance levels, really, if you look at the Man City game, the Man United game, our performance levels were good in different ways. Man United more attacking-wise and Man City more defensive-wise. You know, they were good performances. Burnley were fantastic, probably the best half we've had all season. Um, it's really, even Southampton game, I don't think we were that bad first half. I mean, we weren't great, don't get me wrong, but Southampton didn't really have that many clear-cut chances. We had all the best chances that first half. It was just towards the end of the second half where we looked tired and maybe Smith could have made some changes and, and you know, maybe got away with that one. This is really the first game since that Leeds game where we've been terrible. So I think we need to take that into context. I think a lot will, this next month, we've got a decent run of games. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how we do in those games because I think it will tell us a lot about this team and whether we are pushing for top six or whether we will finish mid-table. And you know, end of the day, mid-table is still a massive achievement um, if you look at it in terms of what we did last season. It's just, I think it's frustrating for Villa fans, the fact that we're so close and we've got the players to do it that you know you just you just feel like this is a massive opportunity for the team. Uh, it's a massive opportunity for the club given what's happening in the current climate and where we're at and how teams are doing around us you know, to do well and finish in that top six or top seven. So I get it from that perspective. But last night, let, I mean, let's just write it off um, in terms of the performance levels. It's not something we've seen that often. Um, but let, let, let's move on to the comments then. Um, something I was trying to do from the first minute, but uh, let's go on to them because I think there's a lot of comments. It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on, on what people are saying because uh, I think there's some, some really good questions here. Jugsy, let's go to you first. Will it together podcast? Uh, ask a couple of questions. Russ Barkley, yay or nay? Since he has come back in, we've looked considerably worse going forward. Our defensive record is worse and, our, and we're getting less points. Also, John McGinn, do you think he's playing well enough? Looks unfit personally, but do these issues come from him playing slightly deeper than he's used to? That's something that Dean Smith tried to change last night that didn't work. What are your thoughts on those? Yeah, I think Barkley, for me, um, he's had four games from his injury and he hasn't really played that well in any of the games. And four games is a decent amount of time to sort of get back into form. And yeah, he's been very disappointing. I think he looks sort of tired after sort of 50 or 60 minutes. He looks absolutely blowing after after 50 or 60 minutes. So I'm not sure if there's some underlying fitness issues there or, or what really. And He's a really peculiar player because he's got all the attributes that you, you, you'd want from an attacking midfielder. He's, he's sort of physical, he's quite technical, good on either side, got a bit of pace about him. But it's just that urgency and intensity that he lacks. He tries these flicks and I think sometimes he thinks he's better than he is sometimes. He'll try and sort of dribble past players and just rather than making the easy pass and, and having that sort of football intelligence that he lacks in that final third, I think... Yeah, he's been a f quite a frustrating player to watch because he's got the potential and he's got the ability, but he's just not proving it for me. And, you know, I mean, when you compare him to someone like Jack, Jack is just miles, miles better than, than Barkley. And not so long ago, they were sort of comparable. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a player that I would probably want to have in the squad because I think he does bring a d different dimension for us. But I think the type of fee that Chelsea would want for him, I don't think he's worth it. If they want 25, 30 million for him, I think there's better options as a number 10. I wouldn't want to pay that. So I think I would like to sign him on a permanent. But again, I'll be looking at sort of 15 mil, 20 mil max, something like that, I think. Um, that's what his value is. And that's what I wouldn't say he's a standout player on our side. Um, when you compare him to the likes of sort of Watkins and Louise and Conter, and yeah, I think they, they perform more consistently. So I think Barkley can turn it around. And maybe it was that, that break he had with his injury. So hopefully. Um, he'll have a good end to the season but there's definitely definitely ability there but he's it's, it's not proven it just on McGinn I think it's just been inconsistent and he's been asked to play various different roles so he hasn't got a defined role in the side at the minute because he's playing that sort of eight or as a as a six alongside Dougie Louise so maybe he's finding that difficult to adjust to where he's he's had to be a bit more sort of regimented in his positioning because he is that all action box-to-box -box player and that's where he played really well last season 
was being that attacking threat in that final final third. So maybe we need to give McGinn a bit of a license to go forward and get Sanson in for Barkley. Maybe change it up a bit. Give give McGinn a chance to sort of do the the turnovers in in the opposition's final thirds because he's very good at getting the ball into his feet and turning a player and and sort of then putting us onto a sort of dangerous attack. So maybe he's got a lot more to offer from an attacking perspective. I don't think that's a bad shout, you know. I don't think that's a bad shout playing Sanson and, and maybe Louise as as the two defensive players and playing McGinn as number 10 even. I think that might even be an option, something we should think about. I do think McGinn has looked poor um, for too many games, really, for someone of his ability. Um, you know, he, he just, he, some games he just looks, and he, he, I thought his effort-wise, he was brilliant yesterday in terms of his effort. He was driving, he was pressing, he was trying to make things happen. Our goal comes from his pass, you know, he comes deep, collects it, turns, passes it over to Grealish, over to Watkins, Watkins, Grealish, Grealish, back to Watkins. But I just think he, he you know, what really what, what Mings is good at, sorry, what McGinn is good at is winning those second balls, and he just wasn't at, at the races, and he's done that in far too many games this season. So it's a bit surprising. Barkley, I've said a few times this season, you know, I think he's added a massive, he's made a massive difference for us, and added another dimension. And there's been games where he's been fantastic, but I think too many times he dilly dallies on the ball, he takes a wrong option, he runs into blind alleys. His decision-making could be better. And I think that's the difference between him and Grealish, really, is that decision-making point and the difference between, you know, a, a good player in the Premier League and a very, very good player in the Premier League. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, some more comments. Tom Kerrigan, tired performance by everyone, particularly Barkley and El Ghazi. Squad depth isn't strong, which we knew. We struggled to rotate starting 11. I think we've made that point earlier. Martinez well off it. Uh, well off the standards he set himself. Uh, rest up, move on. Hopefully, Truro and Sanson start next game. We need freshening up. Chaz, looking at the Arsenal game, not really going to do a proper preview, but let's look ahead of that game just now. Would you would you change it? And how would you change it against Arsenal? Um, I'd go back to back to the four two three one definitely. Um, it depends on fitness levels. I think they're going to have to have a proper look at last night and look at the running stats and see how some of the boys are shaping up after that game in terms of their recovery because you don't want to. It's the early kickoff on a Saturday as well. It's not a huge. Huge recovery period. So, obviously, it all depends on fitness. And I'm not going to randomly shout out that Sanson should play because I've never seen him play a game of football in my life. So, we're just guessing, aren't we, that he might come in and do better than Barkley or McGinn. It's just a complete guess. He could be he could be Bosco Balaban, for all I know. So, you know... I don't, oh, think we I don't think we'd assign him if it was Bosco Balaban. Or maybe well, we would have, I don't know. <laughs> hopefully, you get my, hopefully, you get yeah. my point. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. yeah um, we, don't, we don't know if he's going to... Yeah. Fitting straight I'd, away. I'd like to see. Time. I'd like to see Traore play, um, but you know, when we played away at Arsenal, um, they were gun ho and they were completely. They played into our hands, didn't they? We scored some really good goals on the break. We looked really sharp that night. Barkley was really exciting. Watkins was on fire. McGinn was break, breaking from midfield. It was a really superb performance. Arsenal have got. A, couple of suspended players and a couple of injuries but I tell you what they're not going to come to Villa Park and be that naive again so we're going to have to find a different way to win um, so I, I think Traore could be that difference um, in the final third and, and I'd like to see him playing but definitely 4-2-3-1 Yeah I mean I, I would definitely have Traore back in I think I was surprised he was left out I know he didn't have the best game against Southampton um, but he, he just makes our, our, our build up play so much better I think he's so composed on the ball he takes the right option more often than not. Um, and, and he's just a good footballer. And our guards, he really struggles on the right. Uh, so I was surprised he played there. And, you know, when he's on the right, I think he really struggles to get into the game and, and help build the play up. You know, he's better on the left, but he can go either way. Uh, it makes it hard for defenders on the right-hand side. He really struggles coming back on the left-hand, coming back onto his left-hand side. So he always goes on the right-hand side and normally gets out-muscled. But um, I, I think I think Truro is right. We've got, a good, we've got a good record against Arsenal as well. Um, historically, we seem to play well against them. Arsenal obviously are in good form, playing better. I know they lost against Wolves, but that was just one of those nights where the players decided to lose their heads. And Louise was big, unlucky. It's uh, a big game, probably. isn't it? I know. I know we say it all the time, but it is a big game because if we lose that, it's it's a pretty poor run all of a sudden, yeah. and it, we're, it's looking like bottom half rather than top half. But if we win, it, it can kickstart us again. We've got a seven day break then before our next game, and everyone's feeling good again. So looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, we've got to, we've got to go again, and it's a game. I'm 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 really glad we're playing Arsenal. Um, it's a team that I, I any team that we should be playing. So, out of any team that I'd hope we'd be playing after that kind of performance, would be Arsenal, just because I know we can get out of them. 
Um, but you know they have they have played well. And Smith Rowe is playing well. Saka's playing well. Lacazette um, is finding form. Aubameyang is coming back in. So they are finding they're finding and, and obviously Pepe is playing well. So they are finding their feet a little bit more. But I still think you know we should have enough to to give them a good game. Um, some other questions then. Um, well, we've talked about this already. But Ash uh, AVFCAP. Um, should we wait for Barkley to be better or slot in Sanson next match? I think we've talked about that already. You know, I think Jogsy made a good point that four games in, you know, maybe you'd expect Barkley to be Barkley to be at his sort of full fitness. But Smith did say again, you know, he's still had more minutes on the pitch playing than he has in terms of training. So it sort of shows you what, what position he's in. And the fact that we're playing games so close to each other means that he's not able to get that that training in. So maybe that's maybe once we get to this at this game out of the way and we've got those seven days in between games now, it, it might help. Um, and he's talking about the wingers as well, Trezge or Garzi, who starts, who's benched if Jack comes centrally. I mean, I think I think that Chadzi's point around Troy coming back in is is the right one. Villa Park podcast. Should us fans now expect better from our players instead of constantly comparing us to where we were last season? Chadzi. Yeah, I mean, we've moved on. We've not as if we've not invested any money into the squad, so we've got to expect uh, an improvement in performances. But we've had that this season. I mean, we're in a good, healthy position in the league and. We are looking upwards more than downwards, I think, at the minute. And yeah, I mean, it's a case where our squad depth is still not not great and we'll, we'll probably address it in the summer. But yeah, I think Chad has touched it on, upon it perfectly where it's it's our style of play. We are trying to win games and rather than sit back looking for to nick one on the break and be defensive, there are going to be bad performances mixed in where a team's going to dominate us or we're going to go a goal down and not be able to get back to the game. So I think you just got to write it, write it off sometimes, and just keep positive and keep back in back in Smith and the team because they've shown that they can beat any side in in the league. And um, if if you've got a side capable of that, then it's a team that you should be backing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And this this next point by uh, Carl Knight, I think is I think a lot of fans are are feeling at the moment. And and just bear with me while I read it out. Um, he says everything's rubbish. Where are our next three points coming from? Jack's gone in the summer. And then he says, best season we've had for more than a decade. Probably the league's best player plays for us. I'll still have us as favourites against Arsenal. I flip between these two mindsets. And I think I think that's where a lot of fans are, is every loss, and as bad as that loss was, it feels like a, a, a massive loss and a, almost like a season-defining loss. But we've been here before this season and we've managed to b- bounce back. You know, we, lo- we lost against Leeds and, you know, the title of our next podcast was the, a reality check. And then... You know, yes, we lost against Southampton, but then we, you know, we fought back. We beat in Arsenal three nil. Um, so you know, no one expected that after those losses. So we, you know, we've lost against um, we've lost against West Ham, and we've beaten Wolves one nil away from home. A really tough match. So it shows you the mentality of the squad. So maybe we should just be patient and see what happens. You know, just because we lost this game doesn't mean that it, it, it's a sign of what's coming. I think uh, you know Smith will get. We'll definitely get a, the team will definitely get a rocket from Smith after that performance. It's not something he'd expect, and they won't let him. They won't. He won't let them rest on their laurels. So, I think we'll come out organ blazing against Arsenal. The key, obviously, will be the sort of the tactical side and how we manage the game. Um, AJ, two concerns are whether fatigue is a factor in poor performances in the last few games, and again, Dino's inability to change things during a game when not working tactically. Still a great season, but worrying if fatigue is an issue. Uh, Matt C and we'll, we'll come Hold back on. to just on that one yeah go on go for it let's not forget he made a change at half time yesterday yeah he did he did yeah he so did. it's not like he's sitting there not seeing the poor performance he's seeing that he's tried to address it the early goal straight after half time has killed us basically yeah and, and I, I do think and I, I, I think I said this yesterday I think you know, Moyes definitely did outsmart Smith in terms of the tactics but we've got enough good players on the pitch there to still uh, you know still nullify what West Ham were trying to do um, and I think it was more on the players yesterday because what what what's the key for Villa and, and what I see, and this is the point I just want to quickly make, is um, second balls and sloppiness. If Villa are winning second balls and we're tidy with the ball, we tend to win games. That's how it works. If we're not winning second balls, then uh, that's when we really struggle. And, and to illustrate that point, you know, there's a really good um, there's a really good stat here around how we press and how we allow teams to play. So um, PGR analytics. Uh, one I definitely recommend you guys follow. He says, um, pressing the opposition, this is just before the game actually, he put, he put this out. Pressing the opposition is a vital part of Aston Villa's success so far this season. In 77.7% of the nine games Villa have failed to win this season, they've allowed more than 10 passes per defensive action, which is a measure of pressing intensity. And what that basically means is 
so what that actually means is a, a defensive action is like a tackle, a pr- uh, like a press or, or or a duel, basically. So basically a defensive challenge of, of some sorts. So I think what we did yesterday was the opposite of that. So we allowed 11.79 passes per defensive action yesterday. So I think we allowed West Ham too much of the ball, allowed them to play too much. And maybe that was a tactic or not. I don't really know, but um, I don't think it worked. And I think, you know, we play at our best when we get in amongst teams and we we stop them playing. Um, and I think don't think we did that yesterday. Let's quickly just rattle through the comments then because uh, I, I want to sort of finish up now. Uh, Matt C, great season so far, not a mega complaint, but do you think Smith has a tendency to want to play 4-3-3 with two eights when we have never really made it work in the Prem? Leaves us too open. See also leads Southampton home games in most last season. Yeah, I agree. We've said that already. Elliot Holmes says, we're missing a dominant physical number six in the squad and it's highlighted when we play teams like West Ham with Smith keen to play two eights at times, the need for six to be a physically imposing and naturally defensive player. All our current mids are relatively slight in stature. I think that's a really good point. Something Jokers has raised in this pod already and, and something where, you know, we look at West Ham, Suchek, Rice. You look at the teams that we've lost against uh, Southampton, Romeo, who's, who's a very defensive player, uh, Burnley with the midfield that they've got. I mean, yes, they've got Westwood and, and Brownhill, but generally speaking, they're a very physically imposing team, if that makes sense. Uh, and then obviously West Ham last night as well. Um, you know, we, we, we've, we've struggled against again, um, and it's something that is slightly a concern. Arnold uh, Boise says uh, two things. Why do we panic every time we can see go chasing like loon straight away and ship a second? It happens way too much. I completely agree. Chazzy said this already, and, and I completely agree. Dean Owen is bloody 4 through 3. And again, someone else talking about it the same. Paul Williams, we all love McGinn, but does he need to add numbers to his game? When Jack is out of the game, nobody can step up to assist Ollie. The rest too consistent for top six. Say. I mean, I think the, the wingers of Drore, El Ghazi uh, have all done well. Barkley's chipped in with goals and assists. Um, uh, cash and target as well. So I, I think there's, you know, it's one game. Um, it was a bad game, but there's been plenty of other times where everyone's chipped in with goals and that's what we like to do, share the goals around. McGinn's playing such a deep role most of the time. I'm not surprised he hasn't really chipped in uh, with assistant goals, to be honest. Um, but th- I mean, let's let's leave it there for comments for now. I think we've talked, we've done it to death really in terms of what's going on. It's When you lose a game, it's always so much more to talk about almost because there's so much to analyse. But one thing I want to talk about, Chadzi, is the, the reaction of fans after the game. And I understand it. You know, you've you've lost a game. You've been poor. It's a game you expected to win. It's a game that if you do win, you know, really sets you up for a really good finish. And it's a, it's a step back. It's disappointing. But the overreaction by some fans, including some, um, you know, tagging a player's personal abuse again. Well, I mean, it's got to stop, hasn't it? It has, but it won't. But yeah, I mean, venting your own venting your own personal frustrations on shows like this or on your own Twitter account is is fine, and that's human nature and that's human reaction. But I think actually tagging the player and sending players direct messages and abuse is just so irrational and so counterproductive. I will never get my head around it. I don't actually see it. To be honest, I don't trawl through the ABFC hashtag. I don't follow anybody that's moronic enough to abuse players, so I don't see it. But I'm told about it from. From you lads and I think we're all we're all reliant on Villa to lift our spirits um I mentioned it the other week in, in tough times like we're all going through Villa can raise our spirits and we all look forward to watching Villa it's basically the highlight of the week and when they win it makes our week no doubt about that but it's a difference between relying on it wanting it but f- feeling like you're entitled to it you're not entitled to anything as, as a football fan and Sending abuse to players uh, and then six months down the line when someone comes in for them and you expect loyalty from that player and the player to stay at your club when at no point of you showing them the loyalty of supporting them through thick and thin. Yeah, and I think I agree with with Chadzi wholeheartedly on that. And I think one of the things I've learned um, doing this podcast, actually, I was one of those emotional fans. I never tagged in players, but I'd vent my frustrations. And we invest a lot into... Apart from Andre Green. Yeah, sorry, apart from Andre Green, let's not talk about that. Um, yeah, we, to be fair, I didn't tag him in. Um, we invest a lot into Villa and it is emotional when they lose and it, it seems like the end of the world and we lose, I mean, it ruins our weekend and things like that, but you just need a bit of perspective sometimes and a bit of context. And I never tweet after a game where I know it's just all emotion, where I might think X, X player is the worst player I've ever seen or that's the worst performance I've ever seen because it's not. It's just a bad day at the office or we've had a bit of bad luck and it's, 
reasons why tactically or when you're trying to analyse a game, all of a sudden you look at it from a, a different perspective. So I think sometimes fans just need to take a moment. Maybe you don't need to tweet about a player or about a game straight away. Just just take a moment, you know what I mean? Maybe the next day you can, you can sleep on it and then think about the game. And if you want to analyse it or suggest how we could have done things differently or better, then, then do it that way. I think emotion um, can cause people to get players tagged into stuff and it just doesn't help. And I think it's just the, the modern way of social media at the minute. People are not accountable for anything and they can say think they can say what they want. Um, so unfortunately, it's, it's quite a negative sort of um, representation of our fan base. But again, it's, it's a minority. So um, we can't just yeah tarnish everybody with the same brush, really. Yeah, it's a, it's a really weird one, isn't it? I mean, I mean, I think the same for us in terms of recording podcasts you know I, I prefer yes I want to get the podcast out straight away and, and sort of be first to the reaction but I think really we do better when we take a day uh, the Sam's game's a, a key one for me I you know straight away I was thinking that was a terrible terrible performance I can't believe we won that and we did get away with it don't get me wrong but watching the game back a day later it puts a completely different spin on it you know watching that first half again as an example you know we we you know, we did really well in that game. I thought first half, you know, we did the right things and yes, we went at it, but we still had the best chances. And then whilst I was watching the match, I was thinking this is terrible, terrible performance and it really wasn't. So sometimes you do need to take a minute. I get it. The emotions, I get it. It's, a, it's what being a football fan is about. And, you know, you've got to be able to criticise the team when they do something wrong. You've got to be able to comment on it. But I think the personal abuse is, is not warranted. We've seen now again, racism, coming to the fore again and you know we have we probably have it we will have an element within our own fan base every club does it's just really unfortunate it really tarnishes the game um and and just just makes it worse really and you know even yesterday you know Ming's getting stick Watkins getting stick Martinez getting stick you know I think it's fine if they'd make a mistake all that kind of stuff but I've seen people already and I've put it on Twitter where someone's saying you know Martinez will never be dropped and I feel really bad for Heaton. It's like, what, it's the first game he's, I mean, yeah, Burnley game, you can say maybe he should have done better with some of the goals. I think we mentioned that, but really it's the first shocker he's had this whole season. He's saved us so many points this season and Watkins as well, you know, he he was isolated, he tried really hard. Yes, he lost the ball two times and led to goals, but there's so much more that needs to be done between those goals and him losing the ball that it's very difficult to blame him, but fans are, you know, fans are saying, you know, he's not quite at the level, he needs to do better. Etc. Etc. Well, I, I think, think even if, really harsh. I think the point is, even if he was rubbish, even if he had a terrible, terrible game, don't send him direct abuse. How is that going to? How is that <laughs> yeah. going to improve? Who does that? Him? Who does that help? Who yeah. does that help? It it's pointless, isn't it? It's just going to make him worse. I mean, we've seen what happened with Ghazi, and luckily he's came back fighting and scored, got vital goals for us. You know, he could have sulked if he wanted to, and then if he did sulk, fans would be like, "Oh, his attitude stinks. His attitude stinks." So, I mean, imagine, imagine you getting abused. Imagine. You know, thirty people sending you abuse and via DM. You know, how would you feel? You'd be like, well, get lost. I'll, I won't bother trying. Why should I try? You talk about El Ghazi bouncing back, and he has done. But you know, he's probably gone through three or four months of real personal turmoil there. You know, footballers have got mental health just as much as anyone else. They're, they're normal blokes. They're not any different to me and you. They've just got a talent. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's just. It's just ridiculous, really. The way it's, 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 even, it's even it's even worse though because you know these are really young blokes. You know, let's be let's let's not forget that we see these footballers and think that they're the same as us, the same age as us. You know, I'm 35. Most of those players are 10 years younger than me, and I know what I was like at 25. You know, I was a completely different person, completely different mentality. And yes, you're playing football, and you and you know you say, well, you know, you should toughen up, and it's a man's game and all that kind of stuff. But it's different. You know, they didn't have social media 20, 30 years ago. It was different. They could they could shy away from the fans. They could hide themselves away, concentrate on their football, and sort of, you know, sort of block out the noise. You can't block it out these days. You just can't. Uh, you know, they their agents want them on social media. Their agents want them on Instagram promoting everything that they do. They want them to be a brand, so they can't block it out. And when they do block it out, you know, you get fans saying, "Oh, that's, that's a bad attitude," or he hasn't got any guts or, you know, he needs to man up a little bit. And it's just the wrong attitude for me. And I, I don't want to end this podcast on a negative, but it's something that I think that needs to be talked about um, because it's important. These are, these are our players. These are, this is our club. And, you know, if you want, if you, if you, someone in your family is going up for some sort of success or some sort of achievement or trying to achieve something in life, you know, they're running a marathon as an example. You're not going to be like, Oh, that's a re- that's a terrible first 10 miles, mate. That's terrible. You know, sack it off. You're not going to do that, are you? And why would you do that to the players of the club that you love? It's the same thing. You've got to support them. You've got to be, you've got to be backing them. 
that's the only way people do well. Some players will respond to sort of criticism, but not from us, but from from fans. From, not from fans, sorry, but from you know from the manager in terms of you know being their boss. That's different, but not from fans. They don't need that. But anyway, <laughs> enough of that. Enough of that ranting. Um, let's uh, look forward to the next game. Um, I think we'll be better, Chads and Juggers, don't you? Yeah, we can't can't be any worse than that, mate. I think we all agree it was a pretty poor night, um, but confident. Always confident in this manager. Always confident in this group of players that they will turn up. You know what I mean? They will turn up. We might not win on Saturday. There might be a deflected goal. We might get someone sent off in the first five minutes. We might. Arteta might do a t- tactical job on Smith. We, there's a lot of things out of our control, but what I do know is that Dean Smith, Jack Grealish and those players will turn up wanting to prove a point and it might go away, it might not, but that's that's all I can ask as a fan. Exactly. And you saw it with Arsenal against Wolves, didn't you? Arsenal absolutely battered Wolves and then yeah. suddenly one bad decision, one mistake completely changes the game. Yeah, It can happen. It can happen in so many games. So, you know, just move on. Remember where we're at. Remember where we are. Or remember where we have been. Um, and it's a journey, isn't it? You know, we're we're probably overachieving. Let's be honest. Um, so far this season, it is a good opportunity to do well. Uh, it's a good opportunity to to get as high as we can and do something we haven't done for a long time. But you know, this team is still gelling together. It's still being built. So there are going to be nights like this, unfortunately. Um, so we we have to take the rough with the smooth. But Thanks, boys, for joining me. As always, it's been good to get that off our off our chest. I think um, and some really interesting points. Uh, hopefully, some optimism there as well for for the listeners to to look forward to Saturday's game. Uh, we'll be back probably Sunday uh, with the uh, post match review, the lockdown lowdown of the Arsenal game. Um, and uh, thanks for listening again. Usual spiel: please do subscribe and, and follow us on whatever podcast platform you're on. Leave us a review and rating on, on Apple Podcasts if you can. Helps us out a lot. And thank you for listening as always. Thank you to the boys. And apart from that, up the villa. Cheers, Abba. Up the cuts. Up the under green. I love it. I'm going to